Hey, everybody. Um, welcome to uh, the Collective Podcast. This isn't the start of the episode. This is actually a little brief uh, thank you to everybody um, before the episode. Uh, it's It's been since, what, last Wednesday. It's been our one-year anniversary. Um, we've got 55-plus uh, episodes going on now. Tons of love, tons of support from everybody. Um, a big thank you to all the guests for being on here, sharing their time. Um, big, uh, big thank you to everybody that's helped with the podcast. Um, I want to introduce also um, the producer and I guess what do you what, what what other role would you consider you being on this? Because you do tons of stuff. It's my friend Andrew uh, Harlick. So what do, what do you uh, what would you like uh, to be titled I, as for the collective? I guess podcast? I would be like the uh, the editor producer. I don't know, several yeah. different <laughs> jobs. <laughs> you're wearing many hats, basically, yeah. and you're helping me out tons because, like, there was a moment where I wasn't able to get the podcast going um, at the consistent speed that it had been without your help. So, um, a big thank you to to Andrew for helping out, and you know, he's helping take care of the Facebook thing and all that kind of stuff. Um, what we're doing now for um, the one year anniversary is. Uh, I did this commission for Neograph and um, game forum of a Metal Gear Solid poster of um, Gray Fox. Uh, it'll be up on our Facebook page, but it's um, we have we're giving away four copies of it, um, signed and uh, numbered. There's a I think they're an edition of like 150 or something, so they're really limited. They're screen printed, like crazy good quality. They'll, I don't know, like six different layers of different colors and stuff. Um, but um, we're giving away four of those to whoever is interested. What's the details, Andrew, so people know like how this works? Um, yeah, so like you have to go to the new Facebook page that we set up, which is just facebook.com slash the collective podcast. And uh, on there, there's like uh, an image that's a one-year anniversary giveaway. And you uh, basically all you have to do is just like that post so we can get a bunch of names on there. And then just we're going to do a random drawing on... Uh, a week from the one-year anniversary, which will be Wednesday, what, the 25th or the 20? Yeah, yeah Wednesday the 25th. The 25th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this episode will be out on the 23rd. And for all you guys who haven't liked the uh, the image yet to enter the giveaway, you could just head over there and like it, and that's all you have to do. Yeah, we're going to start having a lot of information about the, the podcast, who's coming up, what we're aiming to do. Um, there's going to be a couple really cool changes, some cool surprises that we're going to try and start getting into. Um, we're going to invest a little bit more time and effort into the production of it all. Um, and a lot of it is the reason why we want to get you guys over to the Facebook thing. And even if you don't have one, don't worry about it. We'll, I'll be doing the Twitter thing as well. Same with uh, Andrew's going to be managing the Twitter as well. Um, so that you guys are informed with who's coming on, what we're going to possibly be talking about. Um, another thing that Andrew and I um, find to be really valuable, and I'm sure that you out there listening as well, um, when I was before this podcast or before I listened to podcasts, I'd, I'd, I'd be reading books and I'd be like, damn, it'd be so cool to get more information about this guy. And um, the podcast is this amazing window for you all to um, allow for that opportunity. Um, because of the popular popularity of it, I can reach out to a lot of different people now and I can say, you know, would you like to come on? And so a lot of people have offered to suggestions of people they would like to hear more from or um, just, yeah, general guests that they're interested in finding out more information. So if you're curious about somebody and what they're doing, um, please let us know. We're trying to figure out a good way for everybody to 
get the most out of this experience. I know sometimes it can be a bit crazy and vast, but um, what we're trying to do is allow people to get a better understanding of how these professionals do what they do. But I mean, really, if you're really if you're just interested in in, in an artist or a creative or an illustrator or um, you know a programmer or anything really, um, yeah, we're trying to get people from like new industries that, like that we haven't explored yet. Like yeah. we've been doing a lot of concept artists and. Although all the guests so far have been amazing and there are a million other crazy talented concept artists out there, like we're trying to branch out kind of. So like maybe authors or... Yeah, business maybe, creators, you yeah, know. Yeah, just any interesting, talented, creative people would be totally rad. Yes, yeah. So um, you guys are just as responsible for getting these people on. If you want, if you're really interested in it, let us know and we'll get, we'll try to get these people on and, you know, so... Um, be a part of it you know this is collective it's called that for a reason so let's all chip in and, and do what we can to to try to expose some some cool knowledge and get that out there for everybody to consume and enjoy so um, just wanted to make sure i introduced uh, andrew because he's a significant part of the podcast now and, and big thank you to andrew because without his help literally i don't know if this would continue at this at least at the space the speed it was going so um, but Glad thanks to help out. Yeah. Thank you so much, dude. And we have, like I said, we're going to have some cool, um, surprises and little changes here and there and some stuff that we can, you know, share with you guys and stuff. So there's going to be some cool things coming up for this next year of the podcast. And yeah, I'm just excited to have more people on and, and, and get this going. You know, it's growing every day. So, and with, it's with everybody's love and support. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. And thank you to all the listeners for a year, a full year of your great support. It's been, it's been awesome. Heck yeah. It's been really awesome. Cool guys. Well, enjoy this next podcast. Um, it's going to be a great one and we'll see you guys on the other side. Welcome to another delightful episode of the Collective Podcast. Today we have Matt Coron. Um, he's a concept artist in the game industry. He's also created um, a website called Control Paint where he instructs you on how to digitally paint or understand the little nuances of um, creating concept art. Um, he's making a transition now into doing that more full-time from what he was doing before, which was working on games and building out art and concepts for what was it like you do you do everything from characters to like level layouts and that kind of stuff is that what it would be kind of more or less so i've actually i've become sort of um niched in the non-character stuff so okay. levels props objects all that sort of hard-edged non-character okay. things oh okay i thought i saw some of like some maybe it's um, some older stuff that was like more based on like some character stuff on your site but i guess um you, when you, I guess you discovered that building out like the levels and stuff is more interesting to you, I guess, right? Well, so <laughs> I would sort of get bored um, and draw characters at home, just like in the evenings and stuff. Okay. <clears throat> so when you weren't so, drawing, you were drawing. Yeah, exactly. But but <laughs> in obsessed. a working context, I like the uh, stuff that's does not have eyeballs. I guess. Yeah, gotcha. That's just something that's more appealing to you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, like, um, 
for those that are interested and, and curious about like control paint. So I was mentioning to you before we started that um, when I was getting into digital art and just understanding it a little bit better, I had a couple of friends send me your resource and I found it really interesting. I thought it was cool um, what you oh, were nice. doing. Um, so the control paint, can you explain it to those that aren't listening and, and your reasoning for doing such a thing? Sure. So um, I, from way back, have taught myself all the sort of computer art technique that I know, whether it's 3D, 2D, all that stuff I had to teach myself. And the learning process is really annoying because there's not like any one place to go and just learn stuff. Um, And so some years later, I was frustrated to see that the internet still had not thought of a way to just have like one nice spot uh, for beginners specifically. So I thought, well, I know how to make a video and I know what, uh, I know how to paint. So I started making YouTube videos that were sort of breaking down how to go about learning digital painting using Photoshop, uh, either if you want to work in games or just for a hobby, but to sort of break it down into small chunks. Um, and those little five-minute videos now comprise a much larger library of free things that you can kind of go and learn at your own pace uh, depending on what you need to know most. And it, it is called controlpaint.com and uh, it's mainly a sort of an alternative to art school is my eventual goal with it, although it's more in the humble beginning phases right now. Yeah, as most things do start off in a, in a, like you're saying, more in a humble sense. What's your deal with wanting to keep it free? Is that part of just wanting to get more people interested and getting them focused on learning. And then if they're really interested, they can go beyond that. Yeah. I just think that the internet has given us the tools to give away lots and lots of stuff for free and have it still be worth everybody's while. Yeah. So why not? You know, I mean, I could charge a thousand dollars for some of this stuff if I really wanted to and five people would be able to buy it and that would be fine. But if I could, do what I, you know, my current business model is everything I can give away for free, I do. And then some of the more in-depth stuff is $10. And gotcha. the audience is big enough that um, the $10 increments add up to, you know, enough for me to keep making free videos. And I mean, that's great. Like if I could just give everything away for free, I would. Sure. But I've got, you know, bills. and Of course, uh, you know, you got to keep your computer going. So I got, yeah, <laughs> I got to, I got to pay for all that bandwidth and whatever. Um, but yeah. you know, there's no point in charging a whole bunch just because it's exclusive or just because art school is expensive. So of course we're going to charge a lot for it. I figure, you know, I'll figure yeah. out the bare minimum I can charge and more people can do it that way. Well, the reason I think that art school and stuff are just schools in general are expensive is, is, is it is very expensive to run a business like that. You know, you have faculty and then you have maintenance and then you have like, you know, you have everything that takes just to keep that thing going. And that's something that's interesting there. What do you think of like, um, because I'm, I'm on that same level where I, I learned almost everything I know on art, besides from some stuff from some really amazing instructors that I've had through college, but mostly it was done just through my own interest through books that I own or off the internet mostly. Um, how is it that you see like, what about like, um, you're mentioning that you didn't see anything that was relevant. What about like lynda.com? You ever use that or find that of interest to you? I do, and I think I currently have a subscription to both Linda and Digital Tutors, uh, which yeah, is sort of the other one too, right? Yeah, I mean, you pay some very affordable monthly fee, and you get like 
the biggest library ever of information. Um, and I see those as sort of replacing the need for like, I used to have to go to the bookstore and buy these like $50 books on, um, you know, it'd be like after, after effects, effects yeah. or, or whatever. And, <laughs> I just got rid of some of those. You yeah. know, I think I had like the Photoshop wow handbook. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so they were really good for just reference or like if you really want to teach yourself software and you can't afford school, you could read every word in those books and sort of piece it together. But I feel like even if Linda replaces those sorts of books, it does not replace kind of an art school experience. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That's what I, that's what I was going to say was my biggest issue, and not to demean Lynda.com because I think it's really great. It's a great resource, awesome. and especially if you want to learn just the program and you're you're not yeah. worried about not being inspired by the art. But I remember trying to learn um, Adobe Illustrator, and the instructor was. He was so non-artistic that it was <laughs> it was like grueling to get through. I ended up just not going through the whole thing because, like, I needed a visual stimulus at the end of it. I needed to go and say like, go in there, and that's what that's what attracted me to the Noman guys because I'm like, oh, I can like watch Dylan Cole paint like map paintings. That's cool. Like, I can understand how he works, and to me that was cool because the end result was going to mean you know, if A plus B equals C, basically, you know, so all my effort in listening to this guy, I'm going to be able to figure out how he gets there, you know, and that to me was the most interesting thing, you know, and that's what like divided my interest based off of like going and buying DVDs from Noman, you know, what do you think of the Noman thing? So I have, I love Noman. I think the, maybe my first introduction to concept art as a thing was like an old Feng Zhu uh, Noman video. <laughs> yeah, I have that one. <laughs> and, I'm looking you know, at it. They're awesome. It's like, yeah, it's the most inspirational stuff you can watch. And I think probably everybody in this business has like watched at least a couple. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love them. I think at this point, um, after having just watched so much educational content, I think that the Noman videos in some ways are intimidating to beginners, some beginners. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Cause it's well, like some uh, of them, you know, you got guys that are like just savage beasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And guys that don't necessarily, um, their craft is not necessarily communicating, um, their process. It's making yeah. awesome work, not necessarily telling someone else how to do it. It's so. almost like, yeah, you need like a middleman there to be like, Hey, well, what are you doing here? And you know, like, right. you know, like a, that's not a bad idea actually too, is because some of these guys, like you said, they're not necessarily like communicative geniuses, but they're just geniuses in their own right as to making these worlds and building these amazing things. Yeah. And I think, um, like I have a couple of friends that have done some of those recently and they're just so killer. And, um, I don't know, I haven't listened and watched those. I have a real hard time personally, with my ADD or whatever it is sitting through those things. Like I got the eat 3d for, um, for ZBrush mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. oh man, it's a, it, the guy really breaks down. And if I could just, if I just had the discipline, I could do it, but I, man, I just, I just suck. And I think, I think I'd rather do other things to be completely honest, you know, like I'd rather just go draw, you know, and yeah. follow that realm and stuff. But the thing I realize is, um, maybe you realize that too, once you decided to make your thing is that not everybody learns the same way. And we all learn at different like levels and different, in different ways, you know, and 
and totally. I and I wish I could do like the Neo Matrix thing where I could just plug in the thing and like learn. Oh, yeah. Oh whoa, learn kung fu. You know, like do that. Yeah, That'd yeah. be awesome. But in, unfortunately, you know, we're still at that stage where we have to learn very slowly. And um, but that being said, I'm trying to figure out for me the fastest way to learn these things so that I can take them in. But the what I've realized just just with learning itself is it's it's such a journey. And you really got to embrace it or it's just going to be like a bad experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, w- when you talk about your sort of ADD watching Nomon videos, I've kind of had the same experience and it's not limited to Nomon, but just sort of long form yeah. instruction like that. Yeah. Uh, you almost have to have endurance to to like stay focused the whole time. Yeah. Um, so I'd find like I actually started taking notes when I'd watch a Nomon video oh, and yeah. I might start in, you know, I'd write a while and then I'd end up with like maybe one, maybe two pages by the end of like a two hour video. Yeah. And I could sort of only write down the things that were really necessary that I needed to remember. And it got me thinking like, well, there's those little nuggets buried in that two hour um, sort of adventure. What if this was edited down into something that was just the sort of uh, aha moments. You yeah, know? yeah, the nuggets. The nuggets, yeah. And so yeah. My, my sort of initial approach to control paint was, well, we've all got ADD, right? So five minutes, I think, is about the hard limit um, for the way people interact with the internet right now. Yeah, YouTube videos and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, so, so if I could think about how do I break down these big complicated ideas into like, I don't know, stuff that makes sense in five minutes or less, so it's not to say it's like dumbed down, but it's just I go in with sort of a plan to to break it down into little modular chunks, um, each of which can be explained thoroughly in five minutes. But that's not like I'm going to make a whole painting now, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and in doing so, you know, maybe you have a half hour, so you'll watch like three or four of the videos, um, and each one works on its own. You could just watch one video, or like if you would have sat down and watched a Nomon video two hours worth, you know, you could do like, a, I don't even know how many control paint videos that'd be a bunch, you know, but, yeah. um, but that is sort of like um, almost like a la carte learning, you know, where you, you don't need to watch the entire start to finish thing. You can sort of um, build your own curriculum, I guess. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't know, it's challenging because um, I've had, this is cool to talk to you about it because this is actually what you're doing and focusing on. So I can maybe get some other, other pointers and just kind of tips or just give you a perspective from my own self as just trying to learn. My biggest problem I think with learning these kind of things is that I'd rather just do other things. Like when I realize how, how much of a pain in the neck it is, like (laughs) part of me is like, Oh, I'd love to learn like 3d studio max and like make a car or something, you know, because I can draw it. I can figure out what it looks like. But when I want to try and make it in 3D, it's like there's so many levels of just confusion and just like things that I don't want to know and care about to know. So it's like almost like I have to embrace all those extra things that I don't want to. And maybe that's just be being lazy or something. I don't know. And, and maybe that's the software not speaking to a person like myself. And that's perhaps why they have like massive teams on movies and, and in video games and stuff, because not everybody speaks the same language and you know, iron sharpens iron with everybody else. But as far as learning, trying to learn all those different crafts, um, I've had it, like, I think, I think what you're doing, what you're saying is probably more aligned with what I think would be most valuable is like taking those little bits, you know, and 
listening to them and, and taking them in and applying them and taking, you know, like, I think the Noman thing would work really wonderful if like I didn't have like a wife and kids and other work, you know, because <laughs> then I could be like, oh, it's fucking Noman time. I'm just going to sit yeah. and listen to Noman and apply it and spend a whole week just focusing on one DVD and just be a beast out of it, you know, and, 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 yeah. and, and learn that, you know, and you really could, I think I really, um, I really feel that if you have strong desire and dedication into digging into these things you can really get all that you need out of them because all the answers are there it's just a matter of you getting them from there and applying them you know so yeah yeah yeah. and but it's not obvious how to do that necessarily Um, no and so like certain personalities will be able to watch those videos and sort of reverse engineer the stuff that they didn't say sure Uh, but that's not every learner, you know? Yeah. Do you think that there's a lot of clones being created out of these things? Because people go like, okay, like, yes, I go A and then I go, it's like almost like, uh, we went to like Ikea and got some bookshelves or something this weekend. And the instructions, the instructions are incredibly easy to understand and, you know, yeah. and use. And then I was, I was thinking to myself, um, if everybody with like this kind of educational plan is, if everything's as simple as like an Ikea, um, instruction as A to B and then everybody's just creating that same thing. I've noticed that in the motion graphics industry, there's a guy named um, Grayscale Gorilla. He does... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know who he is? I sure do, yeah. Yeah, and he does these really great like little tutorials and he breaks down things and he says, hey, I saw this thing in a movie and I went home and I tried to figure it out and this is as close as I got and it's really cool. But what I noticed is that his impact on the motion graphic industry is so big because people are watching his <laughs> tutorials and going like shiny orbs with Fresnel r- yeah. render, you know, and, and as cool <laughs> as that is, and I've done a couple of those myself, but the cool, the, the most important thing I think for people that are learning is to like, okay, you get the tools, but like build your own birdhouse kind of, you know? And so that was kind of a, an interesting thing. And I noticed that there's lots of clones that happen out of these educational programs, you know, like, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people that are making the same kind of thing, basically, you know. Yeah, and well, I think it is uh, sort of a rite of passage. Like, I know I made those tutorial things. I'm like learning some Blender 3D right now because I learned Max and Maya years ago, and now I'm starting fresh with Blender, and um, it's just kind of easier to take a tutorial that gives you a absolute roadmap. You follow the results and, you know, end up with the one you're supposed to end up with. Yeah. But that's not your portfolio, you know? Like, yeah. You yeah, do that's that. Tutorial. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it's like, um, it's like proving to yourself that you can do it. Um, because yeah. your hands made the result. It was not, you didn't download from somebody else. Even if they made every decision, you still like, went through the motions and made the thing. Totally. There's value to it to yourself. There is, yeah. 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 And, and so it's like a rehearsal, you know, and um, that's totally necessary. You know, you could do a hundred of those and it would not be like you're cheating or something. But when it comes to being an artist and especially if you want to like get a job being an artist, you have to add your own critical thinking in there. Yeah, you can't teach that. That's That's like what divides people, I think, is that you can't, you can't necessarily teach those kind of things. They have to be decided upon and learned from that person that's creating them, you know? Yeah, so I guess I've gone out of my way to frame my videos in terms of here's a versatile sort of technique that you can do 
whatever you could draw cars with it you could draw characters it it's all the same yeah. um, when a lot of the other videos out there are saying here's a project like i'm going to show you how to draw this car and those honestly get a lot more views on youtube and are like um a lot more easily viral type videos but sure i don't know i just don't feel like the um that serves the learner as well you know because then like okay i drew the car well now how do i draw the other thing you know yeah i don't understand necessarily how to take those skills and then use them on something else yeah the um uh, i have one of the noman dvds from the good brush guy yeah yeah um his what's his name i always forget his name but he's like one of my favorite artists i just remember by the good brush but he's like one of those guys that just crushes it yeah um, his name's escaping me right now as well yeah what the heck um i'll come back to it i'll remember it i'll send i'll post a link though for everybody to see his website that's not familiar with it he's been around for a long time and he's been just doing like really amazing work forever but um what was I going to say? His pod, his, his Nomen thing at first, when I was first learning, I'm like, ah, this guy's just talking about crap, you know, like what the hell? And then I, I revisited it, um, recently kind of, and, and I just had it on in the background. I was like, I just want to listen to this, you know? And, and, um, yeah, he just, he had some really profound points from a very high level creative mind. And there was just like, he was articulating the line art in like a Ridley Scott sketch for like alien. And he was articulating it, basically, basically saying like, you don't need to have everything here. You could just have the right amount of things, and the shape and the language of the lines will tell you what you're looking at, you know. And just like basic things like that that I took away from it. So, I guess for me too, it's like I'm there. I'm at different levels of understanding, and um, you know, you never know who's out there, who's ready for it, what they're ready for, and and how they're gonna. Um, you know, get it. And I think you're, what you're saying, like the the viral stage of a tutorial and based off of like, look at this transformer. I'm going to show yeah. you how to make this transformer. People are like, oh, I want to make fucking transformer. You know, yeah. of course, yeah. that makes total sense. And you can get a lot of viewers and finders. But then after that, you're going to find that, hey, look, that other guy is doing transformers again. You know, <laughs> like it's, a, it's a, that guy's just doing the same thing as the other dude, you know, which is, which is fine. But it's just, at, I guess, I guess who cares? I don't know. I mean, maybe I take this stuff a little too seriously and I should maybe stop. I don't know. But no, no, it's I think about this stuff all the time. I mean, it's my job to think about this stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I, I think the some days I get mad at the number of like how to draw Iron Man videos on the Internet. <laughs> but at the same time, like if I were 10 right now and I was just you know, I don't watch TV. I just watch YouTube videos. And I came across somebody painting Iron Man sped up to, you know, 8x speed with like awesome music in the background. That would be really neat. Amazing. Think, it would be so amazing. Yeah, yeah. That might be like a life changing moment where I'm like, wait, people do that? Yep. It's true. No way. You know, yeah. so even if that video itself doesn't serve as like a real educational experience, uh, yeah, it might get that person, it might tip them over the edge into like, oh, maybe I want to know more about this. How do, hmm. Yeah, open up the the box of things, yeah. Well, that's the instant gratification when you see that. You're like, oh, wow, like this guy did this and all the effort of like, not just the eight hours or whatever it took him to draw that, but, you know, however old he is, you know, yeah, all the decisions exactly. of his entire life to get him to this exact point or him or yeah. her, you know. So those are all like kind of, 
jumbled in together and they all become their own thing and you know it's like when i talked to anthony jones who we were, we were mentioning prior he's doing kind of a similar thing with the instructional kind of things because he's really good at teaching but he's kind of relatively new to this uh, art stuff i think he's only been drawing seriously for like five years or something like that Is that right wow. yeah bastard but yeah man he's got some awesome work to show for five years but he's got a great personality and he embraces he embraces stuff that most artists like myself kind of shy away from which is like he openly embraces like um criticism on a set and a level where it helps him you know mm-hmm. and, and what and a skill it, it is a, tr- a crazy skill you know sometimes like for me i i think that um I have a hard time certain times with certain criticism and it depending on where it comes from there's there's this line that I remember a friend of mine saying like you can um you're you're entitled to your opinion I guess but it's more like you're entitled to your educated opinion so if you have like an educated opinion it's like movies right like um the more I discover with movies and making my own and working on them and 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 getting deeper into understanding them the more I realized like how silly I was with just like the quick broad, like that movie sucks, you know? And it's like, okay, I, I understand on the level of feeling that I don't like that movie. But then when I really try to articulate, I go, well, you know what? Well, the cinematic value and the, the, uh, like the director of photography did a phenomenal job, but the story didn't work or that one actor was really like not up to par with the other guys and then that pulled me down and then all these other things and blah 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 and then I could really articulate it so once you get educated you can have a better opinion where it's more as I think that's what he's striving for when he gets opinions and comments from people is like they can like articulate it in a sense he also works at Blizzard which is just filled with phenomenal talent so yeah which is a uh, you know I'm sure it helps him out a lot as, as well as just personal growth and stuff but but that, like you said, that's a that's a significant um, skill. You know, that's a very important one as far as you know, as a working professional, is taking in con- um, comments and building upon them and stuff too. So, but yeah, I have a hard time with that sometimes too, because I'm like, what the hell do you know? <laughs> and that's just an insecurity. It's just not. It's me being a child about it, you know, and rather than just embracing it. So it's natural. Though. I mean, you really got to work at like taking criticism as um you know part of the act of drawing really it's uh yeah you you can create something but then um you know what's the anecdote it's like if i had more time i could write you a shorter letter you know so yeah writing is one thing but really editing is where it's at oh that's Uh, a good one i never heard that that's cool yeah, yeah. writing so, man what a what a dark art that is to me i have to figure that one out too <laughs> yeah that's a whole nother um savage because i'm really into films because films to me encompass everything like every art known to man and they really do yeah it's everything um because you have like you know you have mo- moving picture and then you have music and then you have acting you have it's just like everything all together and so it makes me realize once I really get into it, I'm like, man, like when I used to think concept art was really difficult, I go, that's just like a fart in the wind in comparison <laughs> to like how complex a film is, you know, it's like, that's just like a still image that has to be built and composed and put together. And then the actors have to sit in there and that scene and setting and composition and everything has to, it's like, <laughs> it's like literally, like I said, like a fart in the wind and not to take value from it. It's incredibly valuable, but it's not the entire thing you know it's just it's just funny like learning the value of entire of things 
you know, at that level. It's just yeah. really interesting. And, and concept art especially is fascinating to me because it's like not a finished product. I mean, I literally have a job where I make a thing that the end user will never experience. Yeah. I, I'm making production the, drawings. The essence, you know. Yeah, oh sure, they'll get my idea, but like most art eventually is seen by someone. Yeah. It's, it's seen by like whoever looks at the billboard or goes to the website or whatever. In this case, it's I make a drawing, I give that drawing to a modeler, and then they make the art, right? Mm -hmm. The art that goes into the game that the player sees. Yeah, and then it's like, uh, sometimes it's lost in translation too because it goes from one artist to the next and mm -hmm. that guy might be really into some Tim Burton movie right now, but you're like feeling something else and then all of a sudden it looks like a Tim Burton film yeah. thing, you know, and then if... Which is know, kind of the fun though. I, I, think I think so. It's the alchemy, you know? It's like yeah. the, you know, and especially when you're working and you're jiving well with another creative crew. That's one thing I love working with um, other people if it works well is um, you get that really great like gelling of ideas and concepts and just like you know putting things together iron sharpens iron that's like something that I think is important you know and that's what if you're working on a crew with a crew on a film or something that's um, that makes or breaks your project or at least your experience I think you know whether you're able to gel or not you know so yeah and I've had bits of both you know so actually can I how, can I tell you about a project that I've got brewing right now that Love is to hear very, it. very relevant to this? Sure, please do. Um, no. Shush, no. <laughs> Sorry, that was messed up. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so the idea is it's an, sort of an online art project that's huge and collaborative. Because like, I'm sure you've had the same experience, which is there's lots of ways to do online competitive art. You can you know, join a, a prompt that's like, you have one week to do it, and then we're going to vote, and we're going to pick a winner, you know, and everybody does their best thing and whatever. Yeah. That's been my experience with how the internet seems to work with art. But there's never really a way to have what's the industry experience, which is a bunch of artists working collaboratively on one end result. Um, it's just kind of, for whatever reason, the internet seems to be a little lighter on the cooperation side. Yeah. Um, so the idea is... Well, it's called Concept Co-op, and it's like I set a prompt in motion, and instead of having a, any sort of judging, it's just anyone who wants to participate is welcome to do so. The only rule is that whenever you make your sort of piece of concept art that fills out this world, it has to be directly inspired by two existing pieces um, that have been made by other people for the project. So, like... Say I want to make a cool, uh, I don't know, sea monster. Uh, the sea monster idea can't just come from nowhere. You know, I read the prompt, and then I find, like, somebody's cool architecture that they made for the project and maybe some awesome, like, shield design. And I look at maybe I like the, like the shapes from one of them or the color palette or something for the other one and then sort of riff off those ideas that I liked and then, you know, make my own uh, creative part. So it's this sort of, I guess, alchemy would be a word for it or um, yeah. like, like group remixing. So I don't know where the project is going to go. That's kind of the fun part is like sure. I set up a prompt. I set up a sort of a mechanic to give a little structure to it. But um, it'll be almost like art direction by uh, natural selection sort of. Yeah, which is interesting. Where do you think all this stuff's going towards? Because you seem to be a bit of a futurist in the idea that you understand that 
the monetary gain of certain things is just going to change, you know, and shift. And since everything, a lot of the crazy thing about this era is a lot of values going to somewhere that it doesn't really exist, you know? It's like, I was thinking about it pretty heavily the other day. And what you're saying is really interesting. I think that's really cool what you're doing because that sounds along the lines of just super hippie stuff, which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like just creating, you know, and letting it be what it is rather, rather than like trying to control it and, and put it and itemize it and put it in a box, you know. Um, so what do you think of where all this stuff is going, all these efforts, all these things that are people are creating and, and building and, and doing? Do you think that... Um, like, okay, so like I was saying, um, the thing that I was really focusing on and just kind of like, what is the point of like Facebook likes? People seem to put a value to them. <laughs> and I'm not trying to discredit them and, and put anybody down or tell people, you know, that's whack. I just, I'm like, it, it's, uh, it's really interesting. Um, it reminds me of like that episode of Lost with the, the bear food and all that stuff. It's like this, like stimulus thing that you do and it's it's interesting for me it's like what's the value in it it's like somebody's just clicking their mouse once you know or out of the hundred people that do that or was one person really genuinely interested in the sense where they're like emotionally pushed you know or like engaged beyond like oh, cool click all right scroll you know like so i'm just like interested in, in in what the real value of these things is you know because coming from a generation where that doesn't exist, it's just interesting to see where people are like, follow me or like this page. It's like, fuck off, man. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do that, you know? Like, and I don't see the value in these things, but maybe I'm just being a dick or something. I don't know. But I know that there's a lot of people like myself that are like, what is going on here? What's the point of this stuff, you know? Is there really a, a value in these things, you know? So what is your take on that? Well, I don't... Um it's hard to know because it's all moving so fast. Yeah. I feel like all the social media stuff right now is just, we all got shiny new toys called whatever, Twitter and Tumblr and all these different things. Yeah. And, and we're just trying to figure out what they do. You know, no, nobody yeah. really knows. Um, but I think some, uh, some creators are using these shiny new toys to do like sort of genuine uh, community things that maybe would have traditionally been done in a small town but now are able to happen sort of across the world just because sure. that's how the internet works yeah which and is really cool so i don't know that the um the sort of inherent properties of liking things and all that are really here to stay but some of them some very small number of the projects that start because of these tools are tapping into something really exciting. Yeah, I agree. There's a really interesting thing too that I have about like the whole Tumblr nation as well, like what what Tumblr is doing for the art community and what it's not doing, I think. And there's a lot of interesting things that I get from that because I have some friends that are creatives and they live off of like Pinterest and Twitter. Yeah. Or not Twitter, but um like Tumblr and stuff and mm -hmm. and I think that's really cool, but um Man, I, I, I swear if you um, if you go to the library or pick up a book or something, there's some really special things in there, and they're actually they're not on Tumblr, so not everybody and their moms putting them into their cycle, and they're using them and regurgitating them, you know. 
So mm-hmm. there's some interesting things where it's like be cautious of where your influences come from just totally. because you don't know what they're going to impact, like how they're going to impact you. You know, I think a lot of the times um, we're just mirrors of ourselves, you know, like so if I'm really into something, I'm trying to make that my reflection, you know. And so I think with like the Tumblr thing, if I'm I'm really interested in, 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 in one said topic, I'll focus just on that. And then all of a sudden my style starts to change into that because I'm just flooding my brain with like all these images, you know. And so there's something that happens, at least for me. And so I have to be really cautious of that because if I'm ever going to be my own self, I have to be cautious of like my influences and to try and keep them like as open and out there as possible. Because yeah. I, I realize that um, I have heavy influences and I have to be cautious of that. And that's when you're trying to create something unique and original. But um, I don't know. It's like almost like the thing that I keep butting my head up against is, is um, you know, not since like Alien have we had like a film that's done that in that genre, you know? Like that's true. Nothing's happened since then that's on that level where you have a a guy like Giger and um, you have, um, I always draw a blank on his name, uh, Dan O'Bannon, who's like kind of created and brought a lot of those guys together and then a visionary, hungry director like Ridley Scott who is willing to push the bounds and stuff but when since when have we had everything like kind of just goes back to alien if you think about it and so it does but aliens and really in the big picture aliens not so long ago you know yeah that's true i think for me it feels like it is a while ago not not really long ago but when i think about it um i think like how how can there be another one? You know, is there is it possible to make another one? And is it is is that mean that that space is taken up because it's, that's just so great as to what it is? It's like a perfectly designed tool, you know. Well, I, I like to think of it in like the lens of history. Um, you know, there the art world has had movements, sure. always has had movements, and maybe what we're experiencing right now is the alien movement you know and alien did it best and there's been a lot of copycats but it's in the sort of timeline of artistic history it will be a pretty small speck yeah well i think we're in a we're in a big renaissance right now personally just because they share an exchange of energy and um images it's just how people are using them i guess is where i'm going you know and like are people really thinking about what they're looking at and observing rather yeah. than just creating stuff? And I think it's the speed of which we make things too. Like I realized it the other day when I was working on a client thing and the thing that they wanted me to create was they wanted me to create it so fast that I had no idea of how to really be original with it. I just had to create it, you know? So, mm-hmm. And sometimes that's okay because it pushes you into, you know, odd situations. But for me right now, I'm trying to really figure out like how to, create original things you know and to do that you have to go a bit farther and beyond the typical like okay here's my brief and here's that i like i like to question things you know there is for me is where you create really original stuff and that's how your art really stands out and you become your own self is when you yourself put original thought and concept to it you know yeah so i I'm um, going back to sort of the like the speed of the internet and and influence and all that sure um i think the internet is a really great feedback loop, like a really great echo chamber. Sure. And it's so amazing, yeah. I was kind of like weirdly satisfied a week after CG Hub was dead. Do you remember CG Hub? Yeah, you know? a lot of people were happy it was dead. <laughs> well, I don't know. I <laughs> mean, a lot of people were sad because well, it disappeared. Well, yes, of course. More people were like, 
by her because they couldn't get their stuff on there. I don't know. So, you know, like it's, it was a, it was a bummer at the same time, but yeah. So sorry, you were saying, well, it's like, um, I just got really used to going every day to CG hub and due to the algorithm that like sorts the stuff that people click on a lot to that front page. And then some of it's curated, but you know, it definitely had a, uh, a look like a lot of the work on CG hub looked a certain way. Sure. Uh, and so, I got to wonder how much was I influenced by just looking at that every day, you know? Oh yeah. You're absolutely influenced by it. Well, yeah. and, and, and for other artists like myself or for younger artists that are impressionable, like if you're looking at it and you're going, wow, this thing, okay, it looks cool. And then I look down, it has like 500,000 like views or whatever. Yeah. Shit. If I want to get a job, I need to be at this level where I need it to look like this and blah, 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 and, and accomplish this thing. And then what happens is then you just get a, like you're saying, like an echo, you know, you're just getting like a, you know, you're just getting a replica replication of that same yeah. thing. Whereas like when you, when I'm looking at art from like, well, I guess you'd have the same thing with Frazetta. Frazetta had this one line that I thought was really amazing because he's one of my favorites. And I got to remember when I start really getting into his work, I got to remember this one line that he says, like, why be a second rate Frazetta when you can be a first rate you? And I always, that's a really good point. Yep. It's always stuck with me because I go, you know what? Like he had to decide that he had to work really hard and, and to focus on his own style and become his own self. Therefore, we all need to. And there's something that a lot of people forget and look over is that he spent like 10 years just really working his butt off, focusing on his craft. I think if anybody focused on like a set of, like he just focused on like, drawing the human body and creating fantasy and in using oil i think he used like just kind of like a shitty paint set to paint he didn't have like he had like a disney Walt disney kids paint set or something like that like now i'm not joking <laughs> but it didn't that didn't matter it wasn't about the tool necessarily that's one other thing we can talk about too that i get caught up in with myself is i always feel like okay i'm about to embark on this journey like i need all the right tools when it's not necessarily <laughs> the tools it's my internal self and my, yeah. and my strength within myself to create my own thing. But what I was going to say about Frazetta, which I think is relevant now, is like, you don't, I think that line was perfect and it always resonated with me. It's like, don't be a second rate somebody else. Be a first rate you. Even if it's not necessarily as good as that right now, just keep working at it. Because eventually, if you really want it and you really believe in yourself, it's going to become this fucking awesome thing. And that is so much more valuable to the community and mostly yourself to be your own self, you know? Yeah, totally. And I think the other side of that coin, though, is that um, like when I went to art school, especially the illustration majors were very concerned with having a really distinctive style, like this magic thing called their style that they needed to establish and then be known for it. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of jobs. I come from concept art in the game industry, and this is definitely true here, where being versatile is really important. Like totally. if you work on, um, you know, the Simpsons, you have to draw like the Simpsons. Uh, you can't design like characters that have some crazy art style just because that's how you're feeling that day. Totally. And so there is certain discipline involved in being good enough in general at drawing or painting that you can see a style and mimic it, um, you know, pretty convincingly. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know, for me, one of the experiments I want to try with Concept Co-op is to use the echo chamber effect that the internet has um, 
to re- replicate some real phenomena of the industry. Like in, in my jobs, I've had to adopt my style to be like the IP that we were working on. That was just, you know, this is a game for Cartoon Network. It has to look like the game. Sure. So that's not really something that I was exposed to in art school. That was something I like had to learn uh, once I got into the industry. They never told me like, oh yeah, it actually is okay to copy something that's already out in the world because that's what you're going to be paid to do. You know, it was always, you have to have your own style and your own vision. Um, And so I'm interested to see if concept co-op will just give people an opportunity to um, see what it's like to work in, you know, to work as a team, not to be the creative auteur, you know, to, uh, cause you know, when you're, 15 there's just not a lot of opportunities to match a style and to be a part of a group it's easy to be the the renegade you know the the visionary but it's sometimes not as easy to find your place you know fitting into a team like that yeah well versatility like you're saying is great um it i guess well, guess what i meant to say is um and i agree with you 100 percent. i guess what i meant to say is that um it depends on your end goal, you know, totally, like it depends totally. on where you're trying to go. And, 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 and this is where I'm going to go back to gear and guy like that is, is as amazing as it was for his impact on alien, he's pigeonholed forever. And he yeah. only, he <laughs> only recreated himself, you know, yep. and he couldn't branch away from that. Like imagine if he tried to go like, I'm going to paint houses now. People be like, ah, fuck off. I don't want that house. You know, I want that <laughs> alien. Give me that crazy shit. Yeah, so yeah. people love that. And, and he was smart enough to see the business in it. And he created his own empire and stuff. And he was, but the problem is, is his entire life, he was, that was maybe, maybe that's not a problem. Maybe that's just himself and his own style. But that came with, you know, he wasn't, he didn't, he wasn't able to outgrow himself in that sense, you know? So I guess, I mean, it's, it probably sounds more confusing than anything. This is the conversations that I constantly have in my head when I'm trying to develop myself as a creative is that, where do I go? Where do I want to go? And I think at the end of the day, I just got to go like, I just want to go this way. And no matter what happens, I'm at least I'm going the direction that I want to go, you know, for me personally. Yeah. And I guess it's like, because I'm trying to create my own book and I'm trying to discover my own style. And that comes just from lots of hours, just being by myself focused on like what it is that I'm interested in, you know, not necessarily like what somebody else is doing because I just really can't care about that too much. And I have to focus on, I'm trying to create original content, you know, and that's yeah. actually actually a hundred times more scary and a hundred times harder, I think, than just going on the internet and going, oh, there's like Simpsons. I can draw Simpsons. Like, of course, you know, it's already established, but somebody had to sit there and go, you know what? I want to make this like American comedy that's kind of centered on f- um, family and it's complicated and I'm going to make it a cartoon and, and this is what it's going to look like. Somebody had to sit there and do that. And, and hats off to them because they made a really great thing and they teamed yeah. up with the right people. But if they didn't, if they just went on Tumblr and they're just like, oh, I'm just going to create like uh, Adventure Time remix, you know, then it's mm-hmm. just, you, then you have a, a spinoff of Adventure Time, which Adventure Time is another great example of a, of a current modern day masterpiece for me, I think. Because Adventure Time is just a wonderful show. I love I it agree, to yeah. death. It's, I like, it's, it's Adventure Time and regular show. I'm like, finally, like, cartoons are back, you know, like for me, yeah. at least, you know, they're, they're yeah, just yeah. so much fun and they're so silly. And it feels good that, 
Like, I have something that I could sit with my daughter and watch because, like, I can't stand Disney stuff. Because <laughs> most of it, it's just like, ah, like, it's, it, well, she's a, she's a girl, too, so I can't really get into it. But Adventure Time is our show, and it's just nice to have something wacky and crazy, like, from my childhood still be really, like, um, popular and stuff. And it's really gotten crazy big, but... But yeah, I mean, I probably just counter countered my to- all my statements all at once right there. So, <laughs> that's well, but an- they're they're all valid, is the thing. And like, you know, over the course of your career, you could swing one way and be, you know, the visionary and make that successful, and then you could swing back the other way and be like matching styles perfectly, and that's totally cool. Sure, totally. And I think that, um, well, I just, I live in San Diego and I don't work at in LA, but I work on all the movies and all kinds of stuff. And a lot of it, a lot of my business is up in LA and my versatility has really been able to open up that passageway, you know, like you're saying. So absolutely. If you're, if you're trying to make it in this industry and you're, um, and you just want to have your style, that's fine, but you got to be aware that people will, they're going to be like, okay, I have this project and I need somebody to do this, you know, and then you got to be willing to be, to put yourself in an adverse situation and try and challenge it, you know? So, I mean, there's, there's two ways to it and there's different levels. Perhaps like I'm at the level I, that I think internally that I need to create my own shit, you know, mm-hmm. that I've, I've generated enough for other people and I'm going to continue to do that, but I really want to create my own stuff, you know, even if it fails, like I'm going to create my own stuff. Because yeah. I owe it to myself and to the rest of the community to try, you know, to put out my own thing, you know, to see if it works. And I'll just have fun doing it. At the end of the day, like I was talking to a friend, he's like, well, at the end of the day, if you, you'll just have like 300 awesome drawings of your own stuff. Like, you know, and if people don't get it, it's like, well, whatever, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that's a good way to look at it. So <laughs> not an ultimate failure, just a little bit. So. Yeah, I mean, when I started making control paint, it was more of just... I think this thing should exist in the world. Sure. And I, I just want to try it. The idea of it being a business was that never crossed my mind at first. Yeah. It's um, coming from a good place. So, oh yeah, it was just, it was something I needed to do, you know? And uh, that's those kind of opportunities are not what you get when you have a boss, like a full time job. Sure. Yeah. So I'm actually really excited now that I'm sort of, uh, last week was my, um, my last day as a full-time concept artist. Oh, damn. Are you yeah. part-time now? No, no, man. I'm right. control paint now. Wow. Well, congratulations first off, because I Thank think you. that's really awesome for you to just kind of do what you want to do. That's like a total risk. I mean, isn't it scary for you? Well, it's a little less scary because for probably uh, a year and a half before this current job I have, um, I called myself a freelancer and I very occasionally did freelance art for like for games, but really most of what I was doing was running control paint. Okay. So So your, the transition wasn't like nine day then it was, no, it was sort of a slow ease in. Yeah. And then I got, I started missing coworkers and stuff because as you know, working at home can be quiet sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have Uh, people around you. Yeah. So I went back and, and for like almost a year now I've been working at a, a studio here in Seattle and then just decided, you know what? I, I do love being around people, but for right now, what I love even more is the ability to just pursue ideas that are exciting. Um, you know, stuff that is going to take time to execute on some of which will make money, some of which won't. But, um, if I have somebody else's schedule, I just can't 
like throw myself at random ideas. Yeah. Yeah. It's challenging. (laughs) Yeah. And so, so we'll see. I mean, I, um, you know, I've got enough savings and stuff that even if everything goes wrong, I can still keep trying it for a while. Sure. I I don't anticipate that. Well, that's good, man. And congratulations. And that's good that it's obvious that you're doing something right. And I think that, um, maybe from my personal standpoint too, is there's a whole different generation of business owners and business people that are running businesses are just to, um, just to pay the bills. And for myself, um, like I, I'm viewing like Kickstarter and stuff as being a resource of, of uh, eliminating the middleman and allowing yeah. for people to get a direct source. Because I think that even like the proposed where I'm going to propose going with my book and stuff is I'm going to try Kickstarter. And I think that if it doesn't work on Kickstarter, then I don't think it's worthy of it. You know, if people don't want to directly, um, support it or be a part of it then it shouldn't be like even made you know like on that level you know maybe there's some people that might find it interesting or whatever and but the reason what i'm saying here is that instead of going like the typical route because i grew up like going to comic-con in san diego when it was very small and it and you'd go there and you'd bring your art and then somebody would judge it and say you know try this this and that and come back next year kind of thing and now it's like well i can do that and I can go and go that route and get a publisher and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and publishers take like 40% of the cut and all that stuff, which is understandable because they have a lot of the work to do as well. You know, it's not just creating the content, which for me is important, but there, that's a route of that's been taken for a long time and it's changing now. And that I'm, I'm interested in that. I'm fascinated by that idea, that yeah. crowdsourcing idea. It's just really interesting. If people are really interested in it they'll go you know what i'll give you 10 bucks for that you know like i can give you that i can do that you know or i can give you 20 or i really want that i can give you 100 bucks or more you know and that's really interesting um because i'm not i think maybe you're on the same length i'm not necessarily trying to be like a multi-millionaire no way man yeah i just want to support yeah i don't i just want to support my family and um do what i love you know yeah and that's sorry go ahead it's just, you're right. This is like the coolest time ever. I, I think Kickstarter is a great example of it, but it's not just Kickstarter. No, there's tons of things, you know, there's, um, uh, Dave Repose is doing that thing with, uh, uh what is page patron? I think it's called. Yep. Yep. There's patron. And there's also like a Indiegogo. There's all yeah. these different resources for selling things. It's not just Craigslist anymore as well. It's almost like a global swap meet. It, it sense, is. You know? And it, for me, um, it was kind of magic when people started buying these $10 like instructional videos that I make. Yeah. Um, because it, you're right. There's no uh, middleman at all. So it's like I make something and on its own merits, people either buy it or they don't. Yeah. And that's it. That's you know? great. So, There's so many fucking middlemen in this business, in this industry. And it's gross actually that they just profit off of being a leech. And I think that's gross. And that's going to eliminate a lot of those kind of people. Because to me, it's like uh, there are some incredibly amazing, valuable producers and publishers and stuff. And I'm not trying to call everybody out. But (laughs) there definitely are some people out there that are just making money off the simple fact of just being themselves and just like sending emails or something. I I find that to be really gross. Yeah. So the the flip side, though, is like I am tech support for control. Sure. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And and, uh, it turns out when you make... When your audience is beginners and you sort of make yourself known as a 
person that's been through it and that like I'm always open to questions and all that. You get a lot of questions. <laughs> you know, I answer a lot of emails. I bet you do too, but Yeah, shit, yeah. How many emails do you do a day? <sighs> Hundreds? No. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't get that many emails, but uh the thing is the kind of questions I get I really respect because they're like uh at that artistic crossroads where they're like, I'm about to go to college, you know, is, oh, okay. it, the, is it worth the money? Is it, um, am I, does it matter that I'm like not getting responses to my job applications? You know, sort of like soul searching. Soul searching stuff, yeah. Questions. And I can't just give some stock response to those questions. No, you can't. Yeah, you can't. So that has been an unexpected toll. Do you like that? Do you like doing well, that? I do. Um, but when I decided, like, my job is going to be making videos to teach people how to paint, I didn't yeah. necessarily think about the ramifications of being a totally one-person operation. Sure. Uh, so that's been a big one. Like, just hearing people's really hard luck stories and, like, just kind of living with that, you know, and hopefully giving them some advice or whatever. But mainly just, like, I don't know, I get a lot of some intense stuff. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people that are that are hurting for for either attention or acknowledgement or just in general in life out there, you know. And um, we've all been there. I have. Mm -hmm. I know that. Oh, yeah. um, and we will be again. Uh, you should, you know. If you're not <laughs> if you're not doing that, you're not living. You know, you should put yourself in those adverse situations. Um, but it's important, I think, to have a little bit of that in your life to remind yourself of where you are and, and how lucky you are to have the position that you've created for yourself. You know and yeah, I get a lot of those too, and it's challenging for me to get to all of them. I apologize to any of you that listen that I don't get to them. I really have to focus on getting my work done um, to f provide for my family, and then I also do the podcast. The podcast is really set up, like I was mentioning to you before we started, it's set up kind of to help with that, you know, to help those people understand that there are these situations and these these things and we didn't we haven't gotten into it just yet we should probably start to segue into that stuff but we've been mostly talking about our journeys and, and our opinions on certain things but i think it it maybe might do you justice for people to maybe hear this from you that are reaching out to you so it's, what are some of the common things because i get i get certain common things as well it's like can you look at my work or you know i've had a hard time getting this job and blah 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 and i understand that my only big response to a lot of these things is, because um, I come from nothing, really. I, I really come from nothing at all. I was on my own as 14 years old, so I didn't really have, just as me. And so I think for me, I've done so many different jobs, and I've fulfilled lots of crap, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's all about, for me, it was all about um, surrounding yourself with good people the best that you can. And if you can't do that, like, try to change your situation. But I think the biggest thing I, I can always tell people is that, you really have to love what you do because yeah. no matter what it is, if you want to be amazing at it, you must love it. You must love it to the point where you hate it almost, you know, like that much. You must, you <laughs> must care for it so much that, you know, it's like it kills you, you know. And that's really, that's where it comes from for me. That's how I, that's why I get up and do it every day is because I really love it, you know. I wouldn't yeah. be doing anything else, you know, and I've set it up so that I can do that every day. Mm-hmm. So do you have, what's like a general question that you get from people that, you know, you find time and, and you f and try to fulfill the answer for? I know there's, there's a general thing there, I know. So, well, the, one of the low-hanging fruit is always like the tools question, right? What, what uh, stylus should I buy? You know, sure. how much RAM do I need? All that stuff. And okay. I feel like that points at sort of a 
a bigger problem in someone's approach, which is that the tool is not going to solve the hard learning process that's ahead of you. Sure. It helps. You know, it's it helps. Part of it. It, yeah, it's definitely part of it. You can use a crappy old like Wacom or you can use like a Cintiq or something. There's a definite difference, you know. There's a difference. I'm not sure it's as big of a difference as like deciding you're going to devote your Friday nights to drawing instead of going out to parties. Oh you know? yeah, that's a yeah, well that's difference on different values, but the, the tools are important for sure. Yeah, what do you, so, what do you use when you create? Um, so I have a Cintiq and a PC. Okay, so Cintiq and a PC. No, but that Cintiq is a great tool. What is it, a 21UX, or is it older one, a new one? Um, so it's probably, might be five years old now. I have a 21UX. That's what I have. That I've had forever. Do you have um, the Ergotron arm thing? Is that what I it used is? to. I used yeah. to have a standing desk now. Oh, good for you. I've been really yeah. thinking about that. Do you like the standing desk? I do. So I, um, I have a tall chair as well. Okay. So you can uh, sit and so, on it. So I go back and forth. Okay, cool. Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been really thinking about that. A friend of mine, my friend Brent, he has a standing desk now and he just like loves the heck out of it. And I have back problems, um, just from intense, like 14 hour days of sitting for years. Man, <laughs> you gotta <laughs> you know? stand then. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about it. I have this really cool, like old drafting table that I've had forever and, and I love it. And I've just kind of like modified it year by year just to fit my body better. I've been cutting it <laughs> pieces and stuff and changing yeah. it. So what I want to do is, is, um, like get together with my dad and figure out how to like attach an electric motor and like and create some lifters to it so I can adjust it, fine adjust it with like a switch, you know? Cause I love building stuff too. So I might try to figure out how to set that up, but that's, um, that's definitely something I need to put some time to. Maybe I'll have to take a little bit of break from work and kind of design a desk or go grab a, a motor for something that I can be like a hydraulic motor of some sort that can lift it up and take it down because there are points I have a, um, a Herman Miller air on chair as well. Yeah. Just like one of their best chairs, but no matter what, if you sit like I do all day long, <laughs> No chair is good enough, you know, like a beanbag or like a bouncing ball or something. You know? But the standing thing has been a big deal, but I don't like standing all the time. So that's why I would want to do, you know, switch it up off and on, go stand and then go sit. So, yeah, I, I have loved the transition. Um, and at work, I had a sitting desk like at, at the studio uh-huh. and I, I'm happy that I'm home again. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure because yeah. Yeah, once you go the standing route, I have the. Uh, that's another person that. That's another question a lot of people ask me because I have the same thing as you. I think I have the 21 UX, the Cintiq, mm-hmm. and it's great. It's it's works totally fine and it's and it's nice for digital painting and just drawing in general. But I have a um, Ergotron arm, and so mm-hmm. a lot of people ask me about like the arms that I use. And I got it off Amazon. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that much money, but it's really great because. It allows me to move it and twist and turn. And I actually thought I'd move it a lot more, but I don't at all. Actually, I just kind of bend it, turn it around. You know, like I move it like maybe like 10% of what it's capable of doing. Yeah, I did the same. That's why I got rid of it eventually. Okay. You just use like the stand? Yeah. Cause, I mean, raising the desk to make the monitor at the right height for me. Mm. Um, I like this sort of stability of the stock stand. It's like I, I lean pretty hard when I draw. 
Oh, okay. So you like uh, you're just like hunching over it, WWF sorta. style. <laughs> well, putting yeah, your shoulder maybe. into it. <laughs> no, that okay. That makes sense. Yeah, because I have the stock stand still as well. But I found the that I really like the Ergotron. But yeah, if you put a lot of pressure into it, it'll move on you. It's not. Yeah. It's not. I mean, you can tighten it as best you can, and it'll lock in pretty decently. But yeah, that's not. It's not um it's not geared for like putting tons of pressure on it. But I also like I'm standing right now and I can like move it up and if I hold it with my like right hand because I'm left handed, mm-hmm. I can stand and draw. But how oh, interesting. Um in it maybe it's just the tension that I put on it because you can it's you can adjust the tension on it and stuff too. So that's right. Yep. But that's been a cool tool that I use. So that's those are two things that we have in similarities. I use a Mac though, and I use like I have like a an older thirty inch Mac monitor, mm-hmm. which is great because like when I design, I need as much space as possible. I can't wait for like my Oculus Rift like workstation or something. Oh, so yeah, I can man, just like lay in bed and be like, <laughs> you lay on the couch. Say, <laughs> yeah. The one thing that's made a big difference for me that a lot of people seem to shy away from is. Uh, the keyboard situation. Mm. Uh, I started going down this rabbit hole by remapping all my keyboard shortcuts. Oh, wow. Uh, and then I... Tally does that. Crazy guys. Yeah, I just wanted to customize a little more and a little more, and eventually it became kind of an ergonomics thing. Mm. And so now what I use is... uh, They make them for gamers. They're like a left hand... Or your offhand uh, sort of a controller, I guess. It's like a grid of buttons built into a wrist rest yeah i've seen that that's some yeah that's some super nerdy shit it is super nerdy that's right <laughs> but uh, it's and, cool though if you're setting a lot of time on there that makes sense well it's yes it makes unbelievable difference in my sort of productivity yeah i bet now it, it takes it's like a whole learning curve right because i'm essentially deciding what might be the best sort of uh, least finger travel, most efficiency kind of um, keyboard shortcut system. Yeah. And that means sort of relearning Photoshop in a sense. Yeah. And now I've even started adding in, um, what do you call them? They're gestures, but they're not multi-touch. It's like I have a bit of PC software that allows me to hold down one key, which then it starts like listening for my gesture. And so I have like a gesture alphabet. Wow. So to speak of little, so I'm holding the stylus still, you know, I don't have to set it down to type anything. Sure. Uh, And then I like, you know, have a whole bunch of commands that I map to these invisible gestures, which are tiny little motions on screen. Cause you know, we're, we're used to drawing like really detailed, really, we have like good fine motor control. Yeah. So why not use that to enter commands? Like the menus are awful. They're hidden at the top of the screen, and <laughs> well, so at, at the end of the day, if you're if you're constantly traveling back and forth, and all that wasted time in real estate that you're doing, it's like half a day. Yeah, you if you add it up, if you really start to be value like be cautious of your value of time. Um, yeah, yeah, that's if you're that see that shows me your level of seriousness that you take it. Vitaly does the same kind of thing. He realizes like you know there's a real estate of time that he must like get the most read the most benefit out of it. That's why he did all those like key commands. Um, he like reprogrammed his computer or his keyboard, yeah, so that he can just like boom pick up this thing or bam do this one thing or hotkey to that. And so if you're really serious about it, um, that's the level that you kind of have to take, which to- totally makes sense. So because yeah, I mean the the counter argument is well what happens when you go to somebody else's computer. 
Yes. And it's like, well, when do I do that? Yes. I never do that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you're traveling around, I was just reading a, um, I have this book that I really love. Let's see, where is it at? I was just reading it the other night. It's called Studio Space, I think. Um, I mean, I'm looking at my bookshelves. I'm trying to find it. It's all these comic book artists and their studios. And Ooh, uh, yeah, Studio Space, it's by Image Comics. It's a book called Studio Space. We'll have a link at the bottom. But I was reading it um, because um, I'm interested in all this kind of stuff. I'm just curious as to what these guys use. And it has like Mike Mignola and Frank Miller and, and Jim Lee. And I was reading one of the Jim Lee says and he, his whole thing. Because this is funny about artists. We all have such an interesting way of doing our own thing. Mm-hmm. For Jim Lee, he like he he's really big on this. Yeah, he, he just has his laptop and like pad and paper, and a pencil and eraser, and that's all. He like he can just pick up anywhere and that he has internet connection and just Google's information, mm-hmm. and then he can just sit there and just draw and just create like anywhere he wants. So he could basically like pick up and go. But like hit for him, it makes total sense. But for what you're doing, you're doing very specific types of things that you're spending a decent amount of time on the computer and your own personal computer so i guess that makes sense to you we all have our own like little nuances as far as like where we're trying to go i think the key thing is your destination right and being aware of what your destination is you know but but acknowledging that yes there is a standard path that people will take but you don't need to do that totally like if there's something better that you might need to do a little inventing first and then save yourself tons of time it's worth the time it takes to invent it in the first place. Totally. Yeah. I need to, I don't know, like it makes me feel lazy. It makes me feel like, damn, I need to go in there because I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, um, once I start really getting into this next project, if I find myself constantly doing something beyond like having to just hit, like, cause I have hotkeys and stuff. Cause I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like going to the menu at all, at all ever. Good. Good. So I just, you know, I have it all in my computer, like yeah. on my keyboard and I'm left-handed. So I have the Cintiq on my left and then I have the keyboard on my right. And then I use my mouse with my right hand so I can do armadextrous kind of stuff. Yeah. So I try to make it really quick. So, but if there, there's something that I find that I keep going to the menu for, I'm going to figure out how to make a hockey out of it because you've inspired me to be faster at that well, because it just wastes time, you know? So, so I've got a question for you. You use after effects, right? Uh, I used to, I don't use it anymore. I don't spend time into it. At all, actually, because I'm just trying okay. to be the concept guy. Yeah. Okay. Well, when you used After Effects, uh huh, did you ever do the thing where you hit tilde over top of one of the little sub menu or sub windows, and then it fills the whole screen? Um, I remember doing something like that. Yeah, it's like you've got 15 little windows all filling your monitor. Yeah. Um, like in a grid. Yeah, yeah. And you know, if you want to like set keyframes it's pretty small to try and squeeze your mouse in there and like do all this complicated work. But it was like magic when someone told me, Oh yeah, you just put your mouse over the little frame you're working on hit tilde. And then everything all of a sudden up. it's full screen on that window. Yeah. So you, you work full screen on that and then you hit tilde and it goes back to the grid again. That's cool. And it's just like that little difference makes the way you interact with that software a hundred percent different. Totally. I remember when um, Apple came out with Spaces, I think it's called, where you can have multiple de- desk. Um, you'd have multiple displays, basically, and virtual ones. So you can oh, hit yeah, yeah. like Control One or Control Two, and you can go to like whole different workstations. So I used to have it. So Control like Four was my my Photoshop, and Control One was like my, my internet. And so I would just yeah. hotkey around. I need to set that back up because now it's like all in one. It's a big fucking mess. But I need to figure out how to get it all so I can... Because I have like eight workstations set up. 
I just haven't gone back to the habit of having things separated. But what happens with that is if I'm just devoted into working on Photoshop stuff, then I just, I'm just there in Photoshop mm-hmm. and not, there's not like the internet and all kinds of other stuff in the way. So right. maybe I'll have yep. my entertainment on control one or control three and then control two is like the internet and control one is like Photoshop or something. But I, I know where those are at and that kind of helps too. So understanding it a little bit, I feel like for me, I get caught, I get lost in it because there's so much <laughs> stuff, you know, like, Oh, Apple has a new thing and there's this new thing called this. And, yeah. and I'm like, fuck, but I have a deadline. And then my daughter's calling me because she needs me to help her comb her hair and then I have to go cook dinner. And it's like, how can I take it all in? And I just feel like, ah, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to do anything. You know, I don't want to observe this. But when I do spend the extra little bit of time to understand the thing that I'm using, it really usually helps out a lot because I'm like, oh, that's really cool to know that. You know, like I, le- I recently learned how to make animated GIF. I asked a couple of friends and they had some advice and then I had to figure out like, okay, the internet can handle X and X amount of things for certain bandwidth, blah, blah, blah. You know, so it's a gobbledygook, but I wanted to make something that everybody can see because it wasn't just the still image that I was trying to convey. It was beyond that. It was the process of things, you know, so in showing how all these things worked out. So, yeah, which to me is, is important, you know. I guess it's just the end goal, you know, trying to figure out what it is that I'm trying to do, you know. Yeah. So, and being so, defined about that, I guess. So, One um, sort of nice upside of being a teacher on Control Paint is that um, – that balance between like, oh, I've got a deadline, so I can't invent new stuff, uh, so I should probably just do what I've been doing, is a little, it's sort of like flipped upside down for me. Yeah, you can't. For me, my deadline is self-imposed, for one thing. Sure. And and also, like, if I figure out some cool trick that makes Photoshop just more nice to work with for digital painting, sure. then I can make a video about that and, like, teach people that are just learning for the first time, so maybe they never even learn the old way they just go straight to this new way which is great it like gives me this excuse to spend time dedicated to just like researching crazy shit that photoshop is capable of that i wouldn't have come to if i was just like scrambling to meet deadlines you know totally that's good then you're looking for quality over quantity which is nice because if you're always striving for that it might take you longer to get the stuff out but at the same time people know that if they go and invest time on clicking play on your video or give you $10, <laughs> like they're going to get something resourceful and useful out of it, you know, I which, hope so, yeah. which is valuable beyond itself, you know? So, and if you keep that kind of in mind, then I think that you'll constantly have like a good relation with the people that are, you know, supporting whatever it is that you're doing, which to me is the key. I think really, you know, if you're going to create a product, why not make a great product that works, you know? Yeah, well, it takes longer, you know, so. Totally. And, that's, you know. That's why they're not all great products. Yeah, of course, you know, and that's, um, that's been, you know, I've, I do a lot. Of, I try to study a lot of on, like, business side of things and just kind of, mm-hmm. like, why people make certain decisions and stuff. And um, because I eventually want to make my own stuff. And, and so there's already people out there that have already made really great things. So I might as well just learn from them rather than fall in my own face and make my own mistakes necessarily. So, <laughs> you know, books can only go so far and, you know, you do your own failures there, here and there. But, um, I did a lot of studying off of like, um, just, I have some really interesting books that 
have helped me out with like just learning um there's some of the stuff like Basecamp. there's this guy there's these the two guys that created Basecamp, which is the program that i use as well for like organizing teams and projects and stuff like that i don't know if you ever used it it's really interesting but they have a couple books like rework and remote which are really cool um I'm actually tying, trying to tie them into the podcast and have them help like sponsor it so that I can kind of um, open up some more time and, and stuff for it and get a better production thing going on to it and just kind of get their involvement on it, you know? So and that's awesome. another, that's another way of like opening up, you know, people to different things as well, you know? So isn't that the fun thing about the internet? You know, it's just like, it makes the world smaller, you know? Yeah. You can, just like set, you do something interesting and somebody contacts you out of the blue because of it. You know, the, ah, it's just fascinating to me. It is. It's really cool. Like you said, it, there's, we're in, like, there's no time like now to be able to be in this situation that we are. And it's just like, if you're really aware of it and you're smart and you're willing to acknowledge it, like you, the world is yours, you know? And, and I think if you're not trying to be a conniving asshole, like you can really, <laughs> you can live with it and be a part of it. You know, like I recently watched like that Wolves of Wall Street, you know? Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting because, um, a friend of mine pointed out at the end of the movie, the way that Scorsese showed the audience looking back at us, the audience and showing, there's almost like him saying like, look at, look what you guys allowed. Like, look what you guys created. Mm -hmm. You've, we've allowed a person like this to be this person, you know, you know, he eventually crashed and burned, which, you know, rightfully so because he was just being an asshole, but, you know, but it's interesting to me is, um, you don't necessarily have to be like that. And I think that's one thing I really love about the internet which is probably why there's a lot of like the NSA and all that stuff is occurring is because people are finally finding out that the information is, is, is the most important commodity of today's age, you know, and if you hold the rite of passage for communication, that's why I'm saying, I think it's a Renaissance that we're occurred in we're like, we're in right now because the exchange rate of information is, is far beyond what people can process. Like the other day I was driving home and I was listening to music and I was like, fuck, I have the same thing on my phone. I really need to switch it out. And on my computer, I have like a lifetime's worth of music. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, like, I will never listen to all that music. When am I going to just go through there and delete it? But I'm like, I'll never delete that music because it's like my music, you know? And But I'm like, I'll never listen to that crap. You know, why do I have it? And and so I started to think to myself, there's so much music out there that even like if I sat and listened to music as a full-time job, never slept, and I just listened to music, I couldn't keep up with the music just being made right now. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Like to me, I'm like, that's so much content. Even with films, like there's a thing now is like, even with bigger films, like you couldn't, you couldn't watch every film. To me, that's kind of depressing. Cause I'm like, fuck, you know, like I can't see every film. Not like I would want to, but even now I have a hard time watching a film because I'm just so busy, you know, like, and, yeah. and then I just critique the shit out of it and then I stop it and go like write about it and stuff and think about it. But the thing I'm saying about the content out there is there's so much of it. You really just can't take it in. That's why you got to be very selective about what you decide, you know, to, to focus on. And I guess that kind of goes back into what we we're talking about, about having a destination, you know, like, oh, I want to get good at digital painting. How do I do that? Well, then I go and check out what you're doing, see what the tips that you can give me, and then I can get better and sharpen my craft and then take it beyond to where wherever I go and take it, you know? Well, it's sort of like editing, you know, like um, it's it's what are you willing to not do? Sure in order to then have time to do those few things that you really want to focus on. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, there, that's there's just such a wealth of stuff out there, a lot of which is free. So you could say like, oh, it doesn't cost me anything to watch. I'm going to stream some movies now. I'm going to play some games, whatever. Because uh, it's just like uh, overwhelming availability. Yeah. But if what you want to do is learn painting or learn something, really the valuable thing is the time that it takes you to do that. And so, yeah. Well, turning it's just off having the a internet. destination. Yeah, yeah turning off the internet. Yeah, but it's, I think that's, that's there's that one book that I keep bringing up every time. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's called Eat That Frog. No. It's a um, really phenomenal book about um, understanding your time and how to like balance things. The The book is based off, the name of it is based off of like this line, like if every morning you, you eat a live frog, that'll be the, the worst thing that you have to deal with in the day. So it's about like conquering <laughs> your worst, like your biggest frog, basically. It's kind of silly in certain ways, but this, the, but the, if you really take it, Anthony Jones it brought, turned it on, turned it on to me, and then uh, a couple friends of his like turned turned him onto it as well. But it's been a game changer for me because it's just made me realize like, damn, like uh, my process of getting things done was always like the opposite of that. So there's a lot of resistance that I have, and that's part of like the the war of art. That's another book that I. Uh, I'm really into as well as uh, Stephen Pressfield's book, but um, it's all kind of that same kind of thing because I wasn't really, I wasn't brought up in a family where it was about like understanding business and how to be successful in a sense like that, you know, like it was, I have to learn it myself through these books, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, it, and it helps in the internet and all that kind of stuff and audiobooks and all that. There's, there's a plethora of information, but what I was trying to do is be more, um, be cautious of my time and how to be a successful person. And the line that I always remember from myself is that the richest man and the poorest man share the same currency and that's time. Mm -hmm. And what decides those two people is based off of what they do with their time and the effort that they use. So you can choose to sleep half the day away and then um, go and focus on you know meditation and then doing whatever it is. And you could be totally happy and that's awesome where you can choose to sleep a minimal amount and cram your head full of knowledge and understanding of things, that's totally fine as well. It just depends on what you want to do, you know, what's important to you. And for me, it was about being more efficient with my time because I have family now and they take up a lot of time as well if I want to be good at that. So I have to cut, a, it cuts in a lot of time for me to be really gung-ho and learning a ton, you know, so. Mm -hmm. And just about designing my time so everything is very regimented and stuff. So, which is very uninspiring and, and, and painful at times because I'm like, oh, I just want to do this all day, but I, I can't. So <laughs> then it just takes away from some of the things that I enjoy. But at the same time, there's an exchange, you know. So, yeah. But I, I love how you said designing your time. I mean, that's perfect. Yeah, it's, it's we, what it is. We identify as artists or designers, and I think. In a lot of people's minds, that's kind of limited to like what's on their computer screen or what's in their sketchbook. Yeah. But the like living as an artist, if you want to do this for your career, is involves so much more than just the things you're creating. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and so like part of the learning process, if learning digital painting is what you're learning, part of that is like learning how to schedule your day. You know, that's. Oh yeah, it's a huge, it's a significant one, and it's something that a lot of people pass over. They don't. Yeah find value in it, which it really amazes me because that's actually one of the most important things that you could have it is. in your, um, if you can really organize your day and, and get yourself in a good place mentally, 
and uh and with your time um man you could be so efficient and you can really knock things out of the park you know so i've been really working on it it's working really great for me it's just like i have eventually find that i have a lot more time than i thought but the problem is life it always throws me curveball curveballs so when i think like because i plan my week out in advance and then i plan my next day out the night before and there's always like something you know like oh you know somebody's sick or they have to stay home or there's something where i'm like oh it just throws everything off but sometimes when that doesn't happen when i get exactly what i need to get done man it's just like a it's just like a just i'm able to get it done like i recently did that huge project the ghost in the shell thing it was tons of work so much work to get done and just to focus on with the team and get everybody on board and just it was a it was a nightmare almost a lot of times but if i didn't have a concise way of getting things done and scheduling and like just incredibly regiment about how i do it like giving priority to things in my day you'd i think you'd like it you should really pick up this book i mean there's also audiobooks of it but i think you would enjoy it because it sounds like you like to design your time as well so and if yeah. you do you find value in that there's that and then war of art they're both on audiobook which is great and i strongly i highly recommend them because they're both really powerful um for me it's they've changed my life and the way i do things but it's just been a huge tool you know like uh I don't know. I think it just, it separates the boys from the men in a sense for me personally. It turned me into like more of a man of where I'm trying to go or the, the girls to the women or whatever, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, did you remind me, did you go to art school? I went to college. Um, it wasn't, it was, my focus was on art, but it wasn't a specific art college. So it was kind of like casual. Okay. Cause I, so I went to Savannah, Savannah college of art and design and yeah. you know, you would assume art school where you pay the big bucks to learn about how to become a professional artist, <laughs> that, that would teach you um, the whole package. You know, yeah. They didn't though. What I was taught was how to make images. Yeah. I was not taught how to be a business person. Yeah. I was not taught how to design my time. A freaking shame, man. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. No one tells you this. No. And I'm, I'm about to go to these colleges and be like, what the hell you guys like, we, <laughs> you need to have in your curriculum curriculum to, enforce and encourage you know what's an llc how to create an s corp you know yeah. these things how to, how to write an invoice how to, exactly how to budget your time that's so important i think maybe um I, I love teaching personally i think it's really beneficial because like i said i think we're mirrors of ourselves so when you have a student you just remember yourself you know like if you have mm -hmm. a good in, in a student that's eager to learn you know, it'll take you back to the, to, to that point in your life and the, that importance of that being that person. And so I think that I would love to go back. And if I ever did, I would really emphasize like, yeah, 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 we can create cool images. Okay, I'll show you that. But more importantly, let's let me show you how to do the business. But at the same time, they're 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 both at the same level of power. You know, like if you're mm -hmm. if you're not very good at art, well, you don't have no business understanding the business necessarily. If that's what you want to do by yourself, it is good. There's a lot of people that I know that become producers or become other parts of the the creative process that aren't. They don't necessarily have what it takes to create art or to to create worlds. So they realize the business side and are getting people together and keeping projects going is is more their skill set. That works as well. Um, but I think as far as like if you're in our shoes or you're wanting to go freelance, like you better be ready because um, you, I spend half of my day doing business crap. You know? Do you half? 
you yeah. spent half of your okay. So That's if you spend half, it sucks. <laughs> so if an art school um, is preparing theoretically preparing little yous out there to become you know designers, shouldn't they spend I don't know at least thirty percent of art school teaching you how to do the business stuff? I think it would be great. I think it would totally shape the industry. It would help totally. It it would give people. A biggest the one of the biggest problems is people don't understand their value, you know, mm-hmm. myself included. I didn't understand it all the way until like my, now, you know, like I, now I start to go, oh, okay, I have this value, you know. Like That's I, hard though. It's embarrassing to put a price on the sure, stuff you do. Sure, and you can overprice or underprice or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you know you're waiting for somebody to, you know. And then there's also like you know even to this day I'll tell a client. A big client, they'll reach out to me. Hey, blah, blah, blah. What's your day rate? I tell them my day rate. They try to counter me. And I go, no, like this is what mm-hmm. I, this is my value. I'll give yeah. you, I'll give you everything that I have. And I feel that my value is pretty high because of what I've done so far. So I feel mm-hmm. like it's warranted. And then I'm going to give them the good special sauce, you know, like I'm going to give yeah, them the good, good stuff, you, you know, yep. but that, but that comes with so much responsibility because I say, I'm going to give you this much, you know, and I know it that I'm going to give it to you, you know? And so, but that just comes with time, I think. And that's a kind of like a veteran thing, I guess, but I totally agree. I think that it would be really, um, encouraging and important for artists and just, um, just creatives in general to be aware of their value because that's really where Mm -hmm. it breaks down to is understanding what your value is, you know, and being aware of that and giving, having that basically it'll, it'll help avoid situations like the life of pie kind of thing and stuff like that i think personally because if you have a lot of artists having respect from themselves in a sense where they don't necessarily need a guild or a union they just know that and so and internally i hope so i hope it doesn't just mean well look at the, the lawyers workers. yeah well look at like lawyers like why is it that lawyers are able to do this but artists aren't it's a very interesting thing and i think yeah. a lot of it's psychologically that we're based off of a lot of passion and it's hard to put a value on these things of passion. Yep. And that totally makes sense to me because, yeah, like it's romantic almost, you know, like I don't want to put a value on. This is just something that I love. Right. So people you do get, it if you weren't paid. You exactly. Know, so, yeah. And so people get lost in that translation. But the thing yep. is, there's people like myself and other people out there that have families and they have to create monetary value or gain so that they can continually like provide for their family. And that's a whole different ballpark, you know, but there's some guys that are just absolutely brilliant at it. And they're so good at, um, just taking care of business, you know, like my friend, Jessica Hish, like she's super good at the business side, like super impressive to me and like opened up my eyes to tons of things. And, and even to this day, and I'm just like, wow, like, she even had this one really amazing point where she said, I was trying to tell her about my Kickstarter idea. And she's like, you know, Ash, this is great. And I totally get it. And he's like, you can make a book. You should go make it. That's awesome. But she's just like, just think about this. You can make a book, put like 300 pages or something. You just kill yourself for it. It takes you years to make. And it's awesome. It's filled with just crazy awesome stuff. And you can only sell it for maximum 35, 40 bucks maybe, you know? <laughs> you go and make a poster, sell that for 45 $65. So you just realize you know, the different of exchange. And it's not necessarily only about that, right? You know, but it's also, for me, I'm like, wow, that's totally true. You know, like, why is that? And how is that? And how did that become itself? So I'm just really curious and interested in that stuff. The, the business side of it is, it's got to be interesting to you. It has to, you know? It, it is. It's, uh, to me, it's like, it, it's the practical 
um, framework that allows me to make artwork. Yeah. You know, because if with the things you just mentioned, so I would say, well, what I need to make is the book. I'm yeah. passionate about the book. So maybe I understand the equation enough that I can make the poster first. Sure. Um, and then that buys me the time to make the book. Yeah. And the book pays for, you know, materials or whatever. But sure. I'm not going to just make posters because I understand the equation. Totally. Uh, well, I think that's what I wanted to do with Kickstarter. It was to set it up so that people are interested in either or they can decide on it. They can, just, they can be a part of those different facets, you know. So if they want posters, they get posters. They want the book, they get the book. They get the posters yeah. too. They get original art, whatever. It's all part of like that experience of them wanting to be involved with it, you know? And so that's, that's, I'm really trying to wrap my head around. And in order to do that, I'm trying to really write out the big idea and then, mm-hmm. and then um, decimate, is that what we call it? Or just like kind of take out, figure out all the little small things that it takes just to get to that big thing, you know? Yeah. And figuring out those main goals and stuff. So, and which is just planning, you know, and figuring out, because every day if you put, a little bit of your effort and time into that one thing, it will become itself, you know, like, mm-hmm. you will you'll get to your goal. You just have to be willing to like push through and, and sacrifice and make those things happen. But it's all the journey, I guess, you know, so. So I guess I just say to like the learner out there that's deciding I'm going to learn graphic design or painting or whatever, um, carve out time for also learning the practical side of that. Yes. Like figure out the skills that will allow you to, take those images and make a job out of them because yeah. you can't have one without the other. You really can't. No, you can't. It's really, and you're going to find yourself being one of those guys, like a starving artist or something, you know, and, and, and that's not a good place to be, you know, like, no, um, it's just unhealthy. And so it's important to be practical in the sense of understanding the business side of things. Like I recently watched that Yodorowsky's Dune and oh, um, so good, so yeah. good. And it's so cool. And it's so interesting to me because I'm really into film and filmmaking. And I just, yeah. um, it was, it was really interesting to me because um, the film industry and the business, what I understand of it, and I'm getting a better understanding of it every day, is that especially now it's it's totally fucked and it's all weird and it's like all over the place and there's just I think it's always kind of been like that. But I watch him and I understand and I see how like I could tell he's like has a lot of anguish and 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 he's he, I could tell that he's upset that it never happened, you know. Of course, yeah. I mean, the reason why it didn't happen, yeah, but there's a lot of reasons why it didn't happen. One of the biggest ones, I think he wasn't understanding of how this stuff works, you know, Mm -hmm. the design of of getting these things actually done and that level, because he wanted to create like the Star Wars before Star Wars was out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and the funny thing is too, is how people project like it would have been the best film. How do you know that it was never made? Of course, you have a romantic idea of what you think it might be, but it's possibly, it could have been totally horrible, you know? So you never know, you know? And so, but the same time that's being optimistic and i think hey who knows i i I enjoy what he creates and i think it's really cool and i really love that documentary i highly recommend anybody watch it because it's really interesting because you get to see what never got made what could have been and what the results of his efforts were actually you know which is like creating teams of dan o'bannon and and gear and all that stuff you create and and, um, mobius you're basically pushing those guys off to make alien basically you know yeah so you could argue like he didn't start to make, uh, he didn't set out to make uh, a dream team yeah. that would go on to influence people, but like that actually was the artifact that he ended up with. Yes, exactly. Not a movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, I me, mean, you know, Dan O'Bannon was so depressed that Dune didn't work out that he left and was like sleep on people's couches and, and wrote Alien because he wanted the most disgusting thing. 
you know like he literally created alien out of like the anguish and like yeah and 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 hatred for like not being able to be part of the other one which totally makes sense you know so it was kind of a part of like a repercussion of it all you know and then they went off and um mobius and uh yodorowsky went off and made the incal and all these other things and uh um, Metabaron and all that kind of stuff, which I have a lot of them on my shelf here. But um, I just thought it was really interesting, you know, and I think what I'm trying to say from this is is you got to understand all the angles, you know, the best that you can, you know. I look at, like, a director like David Fincher, who's like a fucking golden boy to me. It's like, how does he do all this stuff? He's continually making, like, crazy films, and he's just really good at it. And um, I think a lot of it's due to him understanding, like, so many different levels of the craft, you know. It has and to able, be. Yeah. You, yeah, you have to. And, and so I, I guess I look at those guys as just being like um, a supreme goal because it's really challenging to do what they do, at least for my eyes. You know, it's one thing to draw an, an image and create an image. It's a whole other one to like manage a huge team and all these people and create just, I don't know. I don't know. Just like these experiences, you know, with everybody and how that all works and stuff. So, yeah. 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 But yeah, well... Um, I don't know. This has been a really awesome conversation. I don't know. Is, is there is there like a couple couple more things you wanted to kind of discuss, and then we could shove off and go do our things. Well, we didn't talk about cars at all. Oh, uh, okay. Well, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about cars. So you're interested in cars, right? I think I may be less um, tangibly interested in cars than you are. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't have uh, a project car, nor have I ever. But oh, okay. I I have a sort of a profound love. That I've grown through um, video games, I guess. Okay. Sim sim racing, and then just being interested in like reading about cars. Sure. So I yeah, you you actually have probably gotten greasy at some point. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've owned um, my friends and were, my friends were giving me shit this weekend about it because I've had so many different cars. I've had like I don't know, maybe like eighteen different cars. <laughs> Like my my last car was like a like a BMW 550i, and then I had like a really crazy built um, Mitsubishi Evo nine. That -hmm. thing was crazy, and I had it on some really crazy like uh, like um, work equips, like rare, like the last set that was here in the states. And I don't know, just like really weird nuances and stuff of things. But no, I absolutely I absolutely love cars, and the reason why I I mean, there's a lot of reasons. I grew up without a lot of stuff so i always wanted things and mm-hmm. i think i'm making up for it as a, as an adult with like i want things <laughs> to me i always try to find the source you know like i'm curious like why the fuck am i sitting up all night like looking at cars like why am i doing this you know and yeah. so i think a lot of it's like my my insecurity of my childhood or something i can't figure it out but anyways i love cars and i also love just like the camaraderie i have with like my friends and then building things you know like when i mm. when i create a car and i build it and i put it together that shit is mine, you know, like yeah. when it's out in the street, that thing looks awesome. Like <laughs> I had an S2000 that I built. Nice. It was crazy. I had the spoon hard top, the ASM front end, and it was, had like coilovers, had everything on it except like a supercharger. But when I was driving it around, like I've, there's this, I'd ne- drive next to like a stock S2000 and mm-hmm. then I'd have mine and my S2000 was like, I had uh, like um, converses on. I could barely put my converse underneath it. It was so low. <laughs> But it looks so. Yeah. It look, <laughs> but it was. It wasn't about necessarily a car for me. It was more mm-hmm. of like I was creating a, a, an expression of what I love. Totally. When, when I would see it, like I let a friend drive it or something. This sounds totally weird to somebody that doesn't like cars, because, but to me, it's like moving art. And uh, and when I would see it, it would just. It was like 
this is the coolest thing because it's like looking at a sculpture that's like functioning and moving and operating and it's just so beautiful to me you know so to me it's just like it's a never-ending thing my next project's gonna be a lot of fun but i have to convince my wife to allow me to do it so you know if my if my wife wasn't a deciding factor i'd already be like owning like 20 cars again probably so (laughs) (laughs) she keeps me wrangled in but i also get upset because i'm like let me have my freaking toys man (laughs) but I, i could use a little distraction from all this art but at the same time if i if I'm not distracted, then I can focus on it really heavily and get a lot of things done. So, yeah, I would love to. If I didn't do art, I would definitely be doing car stuff. I'd just be making my own custom cars because I see the potential in every car. Are the ones that I like? I can see what they look like in my head. You know, mm-hmm. so they'd just be kind of cool. So maybe I make a movie and I can start like buying the cars and then building <laughs> them up. I want to like work on a Pantera, like build a old school Pantera like crazy wide body style and do it all like Mad Max. So (laughs) I I don't have the space or the money to properly get involved in cars, Mm. but I still love the, the visuals and sort of the culture. So yeah, when I I saw your, what do you even call it when you do like Photoshop a car to look differently? Yeah. Like like a photo bash, I guess like a photo bash. It's like, it's like painting, but it's like grab mashing other photos together and, and seaming it all together. Yeah, so to me, I, I'm thinking about channeling my interest in cars into that. Sure. Because you get to like customize it, which is part of it. Yep. You get to look at all the cool pictures of the ones you'd like to have. <laughs> and then you end up with something that is a statement. You know, it's yours. It's, it's one of a kind. Um, but it does not require a garage. And you don't need expensive insurance. And <laughs> Yeah, cars are pretty expensive, you know. Like when I... Um, that's a good way to look at it too. And that's kind of how I, that's what I'm looking at it with is I'm approaching it. Like, um, for right now, like my friend Ryan Hawking is actually building, he's constructing my 240 Z in 3d so I could really see it all together. Yeah. So when I get it all in 3d, I can go to like the fabrication shop when I'm ready and I go, okay guys, (laughs) this is what we need to make. I need this part (laughs) and it's going to look like this. (laughs) And that's where I want to take it because nowadays, especially like, what I want to try and do with that is I want to create my own version of the 240Z, but then I want to show the world like, Hey, I can build this. And then I want to make it, I want to, I want to, I want people to come to me and say, I have this car. What should we do with this? And I go, okay, let's do this. And then I can go to like a wheel manufacturer and say, well, here's my wheel design. Can you make this in the CMC machine? I go to a 3d printer. I say, I need this created. Can you make this mold for me so I can replicate it and, and carbon fiber or whatever. Because the, the, as far as that stuff goes, it's a fucking endless, you know? And, and because I feel like I have a good style because I'm so obsessed with cars, I've understood them, like, a lot visually. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can sit there and just design cars and build them out. And that's to me, it's the same. It's this alchemy. It's, like, the same with design or same with art. It's all the same to me. Like, looking at a car, looking at design, it's all the same encompassing thing. I don't itemize them as our own thing. So that's my goal with it, at least. And and right now, part of the, like I was going to tell you too, is, is part of it's budgeting. Yeah. Because I, you know, I can't be spending umpteen millions of dollars on these things. So, like, I'm all about finding 
the best deal that I can for what I need. But I like to build up, like the way to build a car is, is to basically get it so that it, it runs properly. Then you first, you do, you build up the suspension and brakes so that it can handle and stop. And then you build the power. A lot of dummies just build the power and they have no brakes. So they go super fast and they crash it into things, you know? So, and, and you got to understand the power to weight and all that stuff. And that's, yeah, just different. take away weight. Don't yeah, power, exactly. And you're good. Yes, exactly. And, and, um, cause, you know, it's, it's like kind of in the human nature is like, you know, like more power. <laughs> you can actually like with the 240Z, it's, it's so light that I'm going to take everything out of it except like the dashboard and put two racing seats in and put a cage yeah. in there. And then everything else is just going to be the suspension. I'm going to switch out the tank and everything in the back and, and relocate the battery. And there's all these things I'm going to probably switch around so that the, I can figure out, I'm going to go get a corner balance and all that stuff so I can really get it so it's pushing the right amount of weight on every corner so so when i'm really handling it it's very neutral you know mm -hmm. so there's all these weird things but when i go into it I, right now i'm at the stage of i'm probably like a year away or two years because i have to go get another house basically we have to move and get a house that's bigger so i can have a garage space for it mm -hmm. so that's the thing that's holding me off damn freaking house man so <laughs> but what i do i have a budget i'm gonna basically list it all out itemize everything that i want to get for it so when i get the car i go okay well i'm gonna allow x amount for the car and then x amount for the mods and that's going to turn out to be about x amount total and my return on it if i resell it would be probably x amount you know and that's how I've always done it. And I've always um, made money off my cars or I've broken wow. even. All right, that is impressive. I think that is not the average. Well, I think you got to be cautious of how you do it. You know, like you don't want to be putting bullshit on your car because nobody wants, not everybody wants bullshit, but people really enjoy nicely put together things, you know? So I think um, on my S2000 is the only one that I've actually lost some money on because I did it so much to my own spec and I didn't realize That's I was going to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah and, and I didn't realize I was going to get rid of it, but then, you know, life changes and you're like, oh, I need to buy a house and blah, blah, blah. So I sold that to use as a down payment for our house and it was worth it. But it's just, you know, understanding that. And so that's a whole different ballpark of cars and stuff. But you should get into them. I, I think if you really want to get into something, um, it's totally there. It just takes time. And if you're willing to be patient, and it'll probably make you work harder with your thing, you know. That's one thing I found that I really found that I loved about cars is it made me realize that I just can't be a poor guy if I want to have these cars. So I have to figure out how to make that possible, you know. See, yeah. For me, I think I can enjoy the aspects of car, some aspects of cars yeah. um, without making myself a poor guy. And it might involve not having a physical car. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you can do it, man. Do it. Yeah, have fun with it. But I mean, the only reason I'm saying that is because it's one thing to draw them. It's a totally different understanding to, to really like sit underneath a car and be cursing at it because it's not like... <laughs> You're not connecting with it, riders. You know, like, or you've finished it and you're doing donuts and you're having a blast and, you know, you're having fun with it and, and you know, or like going out and doing track days like my friends and, and pushing their car to the limit. Like a friend of mine recently just got a GT3, a Porsche GT3, and it's like Oof. the most incredible car I've ever been in. And I've yeah. been in some really amazing cars, but it's just perfect on all levels, you know, and, and just understanding it on that level, you know, so... But who knows, maybe, like I said, I think if you get into it, you're like, even if it's a small car, a small project, it'll build into something where you're like, oh, maybe I can do this or I can put some time into that. And how can I get, how can I figure out more of this? You know, it just, for me, it just made me more crafty, I guess, you know? Well, so to loop it back around to um, you accusing my, my left-handed controller as 
extremely nerdy. <laughs> um, I've actually gone down this rabbit hole of, uh, do you know what mechanical keyboards are? Have you heard of that? No, I never heard of it. Okay, so it's this weird subculture that likes keyboards that have a very tactile feel. It's like the same esoteric things that people like about old cars. Mm, you know, maybe yeah. no power steering. That's sure. something that most people would not understand. Yeah, um, mechanical keyboards are kind of like that. And so I went down that rabbit hole, spent a bunch of money on finding different interesting keyboards, and then I'm now on a sort of a slow burn project to make my own left-handed um, sort of Photoshop controller, I guess. Wow. But that it, a controller that's sort of scratch-built to do all the stuff I do in Photoshop but that no existing product will do. Like, it's going to have knobs, for instance, and you, it's hard to find a keyboard with knobs. Yeah, uh, like a knob to control brush size. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so kind of so, like um, like a MIDI controller kind of thing? Kind of like a MIDI controller, yeah. yeah. A MIDI controller that's more um, more like halfway between a QWERTY keyboard, uh, half of a QWERTY keyboard, and then also MIDI stuff. Yeah, you'd be great with cars. Go build one. Let's see what you bake. <laughs> you <laughs> no, have that obsessive-compulsive thing. That's cool. <laughs> this I can actually make like in a, you know, a couple months and a couple sure. hundred bucks, this thing could be mine, and I could be working with Photoshop. You make you know. a car on ten thousand dollars. Oh, okay. There's a difference between a couple hundred bucks and ten thousand. Because <laughs> going to debt, it's worth. It, I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, no, that's cool. That's that's awesome, and, and I think it's just the interest. You know, the interest is there, and you're curious and stuff. So, yeah, I love inventing and designing sort of my world and customizing and well that's all it is right yeah yeah that's all this is really it's just it's like hey what about this you know and and that's really the fun of it the alchemy of creating creation and stuff so but yeah man i i think that's cool you should go and make a kickstarter or something for it you know and never know there might be a lot of people that are interested in that kind of stuff as well enough to support whatever you're doing you know you never know that's the cool thing too Mm -hmm. so maybe it'll work maybe won't depending on how you get it out there and who sees it but yeah, man. Well, this has been an awesome talk. And yeah, it's been tons of fun. There's tons of really cool things that we can get out of that. And I'm going to have a link to all of the stuff that you're doing and, and about on the bottom of the podcast so if people are interested. And um, yeah, if you're starting out and you're listening to this and you want to learn how to do some digital paint, I've done some of your tutorials. I find them very useful. So I totally recommend people going over there and checking it out. And if they want to get more out of it, definitely support what you're doing because I think that the lessons and stuff that you're providing will help. And at the same time, it's providing help for you to have your lifestyle, you know, which is just making more of the content basically for teaching people. So that's right. Yep. Very cool, man. Well, um, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to say? I don't think so. I think we've talked about a few things. Maybe we'll have to do another (laughs) podcast someday and talk about more. Absolutely, man. You just let me know when you're ready and we'll do another one. Awesome. Cool. Well, well thank ha- gosh. Yeah, thank you so much again and for spending your time with me and have a wonderful day and, and thanks again. Yeah.